I'm Mike Organ with Mike Organ Farms in Thorndale, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, our cow herd is much smaller right now after this 2022 drought. But it's not just cattle. Our sheep and goat herds have been thinned out by drought as well. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show is beginning its three-day run at the Amarillo Civic Center. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about some of the big events on tap. A Texas winter garden vegetable producer has been named to serve on a U.S. Department of Agriculture Fruit and Vegetable Advisory Committee. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have comments from the new appointee on Texas Ag Today. We are cold and wet in Central Texas. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas cow herds aren't the only herds that were thinned out this year thanks to the drought. Sheep and goat herds have taken a hit also. Benny Cox with Producers Livestock in San Angelo had some massive sheep and goat sales back this summer, with some taking two days to sell them all. But that will affect next year's sales. It's definitely going to have an influence on the market, especially in these kid goats, I think. We've sold a good many here lately, you know, percentage-wise. But I think we're going to be shy of these kid goats. These hair sheep are amazing. They're pretty prolific. And, you know, we keep seeing a lot of these lambs. And the, the percentage of these hair sheep lambs is by far well exceeds any wool lamb offerings. Of course, you know, they're not seasonal breeders like your wool sheep. So we're going to continue to see those. You know, if we have really good range conditions through the winter and on into spring and have a really good summer, I think we'll still be light of receipts through here because I think a lot of people keep replacing the ewe lambs, and that'll keep your numbers down lower than what we've seen, of course, this summer. Thankfully, late rains this fall should have helped Texas sheep and goat producers get into decent condition as we head into winter. We've had enough rain in this area, in the bigger sheep producing area, that we're growing some sheep, goat, and deer feed. It didn't rain grass, so we're still in trouble on our cow deal. But there's a lot of people that have got to, you know, they've, they've sat, sat back and took a, a breath and, and feel a little more comfortable than they did back earlier. Benny Cox with Producers Livestock in San Angelo. 
Mexico's intention to move forward with a GMO corn ban will have big ramifications for Texas corn growers. But the National Corn Growers Association is going on the offensive. Angus Kelly is the Director of Trade and Technology for NCGA. Biotech corn is like 92% of U.S. production, as you probably know. Corn is our number one agriculture export to Mexico by a country mile. One and two, Mexico imports historically more corn than any other country recently. And Mexico sources corn primarily from the United States. But so far, discussions between the U.S. and Mexican authorities to drop the ban have come to no results. They haven't found a workable solution, and they're pretty dug in. So we're saying, all right, Biden administration, y'all been good on a lot of things, but you've got to update USMCA, United uh, States-Mexico-Canada agreement that has provisions on biotechnology and how, uh, how it is approved and regulated across border. Kelly says the big challenge comes with getting the White House to act, especially with the chief ag negotiator's position still not confirmed in the Senate. The Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show kicks off this week. James Hunt takes a look at some of the big events planned for the show. The Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show is making its annual three-day run Tuesday through Thursday this week at the Amarillo Civic Center. And as we've been talking about, each day offers special educational opportunities for producers. We've done a pretty good amount of preview already about the CEU workshop on Tuesday, so let's turn to Wednesday's offerings, highlighted by the Texas Wheat Symposium and Ag Appreciation Luncheon beginning at 10.30 a.m. Issues for the upcoming Texas legislature will get much of the spotlight at that event. The keynote speaker will be Evan Smith of the Texas Tribune. Steely Fishbacher of Texas Wheat Producers tells me Smith's presentation will be a follow-up to the Rural Issues Summit, the Texas Tribune hosted in Lubbock earlier this month. We typically don't have Republican-Democrat fights in Austin. There are some, obviously, but a lot of our challenges are between urban and rural communities and what our needs are. And so I think we're going to hear from him kind of a recap of the findings of those conversations. You know, what were the major themes? Along with discussion of government issues and news about USDA programs, Fishbacher says the symposium will also include a market outlook. One of the main questions I get in my job, James, is what's wheat price going to do over the next few months? I'm not the person qualified to answer that, but Mark Welch, who's the economist with Texas A&M, is very good at handling those types of questions and giving us the best information we have at this time. Looking at the Wednesday afternoon lineup, Texas A&M AgriLife has sessions on the outlook for the Farm Bill and how to negotiate carbon contracts. And on Thursday, there's a conference on cotton marketing and other cotton-related topics. For more information about all the activities, search online with the words Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show 2022. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A Texas vegetable producer was named to a USDA advisory committee. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has announced the appointment of 25 industry representatives to serve on the Fruit and Vegetable Industry Advisory Committee. The reappointed and newly appointed members will serve two-year terms beginning immediately and ending in October of 2024. One of those new members is a Texas vegetable producer from South Texas in the Winter Garden area. Bruce Frazier joins us from Carrizo Springs in Dimmick County, 
where he is president of Dixondale Farms Incorporated. And Bruce, congratulations on being appointed to this committee. What does this mean for you? Well, I think it's important that Texas growers have a representative on the advisory committee. There's several issues that we needed actual grower input. This committee, like you mentioned, has 25 members of it, but not all of them are growers. There's probably seven or eight of us that are actually in the growing, but there's brokers, industry associations. So I was humbled to be chosen as one of the growers and the only grower here in Texas. What are some of the issues that come to mind that are important and high on the list for you as you uh, work with this committee uh, moving forward? Well, I would say there's four primary categories that need to be addressed. One is in the area of food safety. Another one is labor and production. Third choice is probably climate and infrastructure. And finally, fruit and vegetable consumption. That is Texas Winter Garden producer Bruce Frazier, one of the newest members on the USDA Fruit and Vegetable Advisory Committee. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Central Texas is enjoying some cold and wet weather. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Our current weather is wet and much cooler. We are finally having some normal weather for our area. I typically expect a freeze in our area around November 15th. And it came a few days earlier this year on November 12th at 32 degrees. And then again on November 13th at 26 degrees. The daytime temperatures have been sunny and warm, while, of course, the nights have been much cooler. The cold weather has gotten rid of the flies and mosquito populations that just seemingly popped up overnight after those recent rains. All of this warm season forages uh, that we have in our area were bitten back by the frost, and the cool season forages are much more visible out in those pastures now. Uh, Even with these scattered showers across our area, our stock tanks remain low, as do area lakes. We still need a large runoff pipe rainfall event to catch some running water in our stock tanks and lakes. Looking at rainfall for the last 365 days, depending on where you live in McLennan County, you're still negative 6 to negative 15 inches below our normal rainfall for the last year. Uh, The short-term weather pattern really looks good for us with wheat oats emerging and growing well, along with all those cool season things like ryegrass out in livestock pastures. As soon as our fields dry up, that will allow our producers an opportunity to get back into fields to finish planting wheat. Much of the wheat in our area has been planted and it was planted right before these rains came. A lot of that wheat is emerging, germinating. You can row them, look down the row, it's coming up. Looks really good. The county research plot of hard red winter wheat will be planted near McGregor as soon as it dries up. With these later planting uh, dates of small grains this year, Hessian fly should not be as impactful to our wheat yields. Only time will tell, and that's that's what the research shows us. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McLellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. Being stopped by law enforcement while you're out hunting or fishing can be a bit nerve-wracking, especially if it's your first time to be stopped. But there are a few things that you can do to help make the process smoother. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have tips from a game warden coming up on Texas Ag Today. And gastrointestinal disease can be a big problem in dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Chronic gastrointestinal disease can be a big problem in dogs. And Dr. Bob Judd says the diagnosis can be challenging. If your dog or cat has chronic gastrointestinal symptoms like vomiting or diarrhea, inflammatory bowel disease or IBD may be the cause. There are multiple other diseases like parasites, cancer, food allergy, and infection that can cause these symptoms, but are less common. The only method to truly diagnose IBD is by taking a biopsy of the intestine, and this is an aggressive surgical step, but IBD can be assumed likely by ruling out these other common diseases. Deworming to make sure parasites are not involved is a good idea regardless of fecal testing, as no test is 100% accurate. Feeding a pet a hypoallergenic food is required to rule out food allergy or food intolerance. For example, just switching from Purina to Science Diet does not root out food allergy. A gastrointestinal blood panel can be helpful in ruling out some gastrointestinal diseases and can determine if supplementing with cobalamin or folate can be helpful. Abdominal ultrasound can be very helpful in determining if intestinal cancer could be involved or changes in the intestinal wall are consistent with inflammatory bowel disease. There are also some infectious diseases that can cause gastrointestinal symptoms, and these diseases can be tested for with blood testing in many cases. Although many dogs and cats with chronic intestinal disease are treated with antibiotics, bacterial infections are uncommon and can even kill good bacteria in the intestine, causing further intestinal symptoms. Many of these diseases require immunosuppressive medication like prednisone, but we have to rule out infectious disease before using these medications. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Being stopped by a game warden while you're hunting or fishing can be a bit nerve-wracking. Jessica Domel has some tips on dealing with that situation in today's Wildlife Report. If you hunt, fish, or boat on Texas waterways, chances are you will encounter a Texas game warden at some point. Game wardens are tasked with protecting the state's wildlife and other natural resources and ensuring that state laws are being followed to protect those resources. Stormy King, Assistant Commander of Wildlife Enforcement at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says there are a few things that hunters can do to make interactions with a game warden smoother. Probably one of the most dangerous things a game warden does is check, say, a large group of dove hunters out in the field. You've got folks out there with varying levels of experience, varying levels of knowledge on gun safety, varying levels of familiarity with their firearm. I've had a lot of people swing a loaded gun that was off safety right at my face, not through any intentional act or not that they're a bad person. The closest I've probably ever come to being seriously hurt would have been an accident. Remind people to keep muzzle discipline in mind. Obviously, whether a gun's loaded and on safety, you never want to point it at someone. The best thing you can probably do is just make sure you keep your gun pointed in a safe direction and then hand it to the game warden as is because accidents can happen while folks are trying to unload their gun. 
Hunters and anglers should also have their hunting and or fishing license readily available to be checked. King says nothing slows down a contact with an angler or hunter more than having to dig around to find a license or other identifying information. If hunters and anglers have that information on hand, they can be checked by the warden and back to hunting or fishing much more quickly. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw mostly lower trade today across the board in livestock, cotton, and grains. We'll take a look back at all of Monday's market action coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market closed lower on Monday to kick off the trading week. A bit of a surprise given that the cash fed cattle market put about four bucks onto the market last week. You'd think maybe that the futures trade would follow through and move higher as we started the week on Monday, but that was not the case. December live cattle dropped 50 cents, 152.57. February down 45, 154.67. April live cattle down 52 cents at 158.45. Same thing on the feeder cattle market. January feeders off a dollar 42, 176.87. March feeder cattle down 95 at 180.60, while April was down 72 cents, 184.40. As we mentioned, cash fed cattle trade last week here in the South sold cattle at 154 to 155. That's three to four dollars higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday. Choice up three dollars, 254.83. Select down a dollar 35 at 233.02. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, when there's cattle in the alleyway, that means Russell Heller is preparing for his first sale after the holiday. Only three more left before Christmas. Russell, I understand you had a good holiday and you had some rain. I know you enjoyed the time off with your family, but it's time to get back to work. What do you see headed our direction for this Saturday's sale? Esther has a sale Saturday, and I know of two sets of calves. Uh, one's going to be about 15. There'll be black calves, and the other one's going to be about 25 Charlotte crosses. Good. What's the condition on the cattle coming through the yard? Now, really, for this time of year, they're really kind of fleshy. I mean, they're still in medium flesh. There's not really any thin cattle coming so far besides some old pork cows but other than that it's pretty good quality good we'll have this sale saturday and then two more before christmas correct yes sir that's right all right and all your buyers are cranked up and turned on and ready to come yes sir uh, we had a little over two inches of rain friday night so i mean the oats and wheat that they had planted and ryegrass it ought to really start doing good now if we get a few warm days good now i know from there north y'all kind of depend on tank water in places i guess a two inch rain would run a little water 
It ran a little bit, but not very much, just in a few spots it did. Okay. Well, tell everybody how they can get a hold of Russell Heller at Lexington Livestock for the last three sales of this year. Sure, you can get me on my cell, and that number is 979-820-7002. Russell, we appreciate you being on the program. Thanks so much for the call. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Neighbor, that's our Livestock Auction Market Report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a big drop to start the week on Monday. December hogs down 317 at 8060. February hogs off 375 at 8475. Class 3 milk steady to lower, the nearby November unchanged at 2104. December milk down 16 cents at 2015 100 weight. The cotton market closed lower, triple digit losses on the nearby contracts. News of civil unrest in China pressuring the cotton market on Monday. Over the weekend, we had widespread protests over the government's COVID-19 lockdown policies. That caused a lower trade in the cotton market on Monday. March cotton down 123 points, 78.95. May cotton down 114 at 78.39. December 23 cotton down 122 points, 74.78. Corn market didn't see a whole lot of direction. We closed narrowly mixed with the December contract up only three quarters of a cent to close at 668 and three quarters. March corn unchanged, 671 and a quarter. But good rains over the past week in North Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas put big pressure on the wheat market on Monday. December Kansas City wheat down 17 and a quarter, 904 and three quarters. December Chicago wheat down 18 and three quarters at 756 and three quarters. In the energy markets, December natural gas down 23 cents at 678. January crude oil up 60 cents, 7688 a barrel. The financial markets were lower Monday afternoon, the Dow dropping 511 points, 33,833. The NASDAQ down 188 at 11,037. The S&P down 65, 3,960. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.